Let's just talk to God for a few moments. Let him change our lives today. Let him speak to our hearts today. Come on, we're just preparing. We're just preparing for his word to touch my life tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I need you, God. I'm desperate for you tonight, God. I'm desperate for the move of God. I'm desperate for the things of God. Uh, I come hungry tonight, God. Uh, I come needing your help tonight, God. Hallelujah. 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 God, hallelujah. Could we just thank the Lord for all of his goodness for a moment? Father, I'm so thankful tonight, God, for your love, for your grace. Father, I'm thankful for the mercies of God. Lord, I'm thankful for be filled with the Holy Ghost, God. And Lord, to have your spirit living in me, God. I'm thankful, Lord, to be a son or a daughter of the Most High God tonight. Father, I'm thankful for your faith in me, your confidence in me, Father. Thank you for what you're working in my life, Lord. I'm so thankful tonight, God. We stand here so blessed tonight just to walk with you and talk with you, Father, just to know you tonight, God. Lord, I am so thankful, Lord. I am so thankful tonight. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for your sweet spirit. God, I thank you for your leading and guiding of my life and my family, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for everything you're doing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 3, I want to read two verses there, 17 and 18. And just say it's so good to be with you tonight and be in the presence of the Lord. Give honor to Bishop Schoonover and, and Elder Hart. Um, and uh, be good if they were here tonight, but we understand they're uh, about the kingdom work. But we do miss them, appreciate them, and love them. I, I will give you a little insight tonight. It's not even in my notes. We didn't take an offering, so it's free. Love your pastor. Love your elder. If you want blessed, love the man of God. Did he put in your life? Honor him in every way that you can. If you want to be blessed, love them, encourage them, be a biggest blessing you can be to the leadership that God has put in your life. I stood as somebody that would serve in the United Service. I can usher. I know how to usher. Last time I was here, I preached on servanthood, didn't I? I believe in that. I believe that I'm not in a position that I couldn't greet somebody, that I couldn't usher, I couldn't help somebody find a seat. See, we're in the kingdom work together. There's no big eyes and little U's. You've got to understand, wherever God needs me, I'm available. Whatever position God is asking me to fulfill, I want to be say, yes, Lord, I can do that. Lord, I can, I'll do, I'd be honored to do that. Lord, I, I would find great joy in just being involved in the kingdom work somewhere. See, I understood he chose me. I know I'm here tonight not because I deserve to be here, but because God saw something in me I couldn't see in myself. He put talent in me I had no idea of growing up. I had abilities to do things I had no idea of. I used them for the wrong things for a number of years till I come to God at the age of 24 and God began to deal with me of why he gave me that talent, why he gave me that ability was for his kingdom work. And I want to do as much as I can for the kingdom of God to move forward in the earth. So if it's being an usher, if it's being a greeter, if it's a parking lot attendant, if it's cleaning the bathrooms, there is nothing that I won't do. I do it at my local assembly. 
whenever it's needed. Why? Because it's just, it's the work of the kingdom. And, and when we can take that concept and realize this is to move the kingdom forward. If I walk in the bathroom and somebody sewed toilet paper on the floor, I'm picking it up, I'm cleaning things up, and I'm tidying it up. You know why? The second reason that first-time visitors never come back is a dirty bathroom. It's that important to me that you didn't come back because somebody made a mess. I walked in there, didn't clean the mess up, so you didn't come back because you thought that's what our whole church was like. So it's important. Your work in the kingdom is so, so important. Ushers, do you realize that in the first two minutes of anybody walking into our congregations have already made up their mind whether they're going to come back or not within two minutes. You're going to make the first impression and you won't get a second chance at it. So if you're too busy talking to somebody and telling jokes over here and a first-time visitor walks in, sits down, and nobody greeted them, we're not doing our job. We've got to stay focused. Why am I here? To make a good impression, to make somebody feel welcome. They're, they're walking in. They're nervous. They're shy. They're, they're timid. They don't know. Do I, you know, I've come, but I don't know what to do. But somebody making me feel welcome, somebody glad that I'm here and greets me in that way, I've already determined, okay, that's, this is good. Do you realize that Elder Hart is a tenth reason anybody comes back according to church growth? The pastor is a tenth reason. See, we all think he's the best reason. I don't mind being number ten. That means nine other things happen ahead of the visitor before they ever deal with me. That determines whether they'll come back. How important is this? Fifty percent of all first-time visitors will not come back no matter what. So I only got that other fifty percent to work with that will come back. So I want to be on my best behavior, understanding that this is heaven and hell, this is life and death. And so my 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 work in the kingdom, you know. But you, so I'm just an usher, just an usher. They've determined in two minutes whether they're going to come back ever again to your church. You hold a very vital role in the kingdom. I've had people come to me and say, I probably won't come back, but I've never been made feel so welcome in all my life. Everybody shook my hand. Everybody made me feel welcome. I thought, well, the ushers did their job. Other things happen. See, that bathroom's big. Bathroom's big. Folks, I, I was raised pretty rough. Outdoor toilet. You think that's important to me personally, that bathroom in there? Heavens, no. It's far better than where I was raised. I don't care if there's toilet paper on the floor and stuff on it. It's still way, way better than I was raised. But, but it's not about me. It's about them. And understanding their needs as a first-time visitor, second-time visitor, whatever. And so there's things I can do to up that number because I'm serving him. And I realize God helped me in this area. Let's pray. Father, help us tonight in the work of the kingdom. Help us tonight, Lord, to grab a hold of what you want for my life and the things of my life in the name of Jesus. Father, I know that there's times all of us struggle in surrendering everything over to you but i pray tonight that god we can take another step of surrender and coming into the place you're calling me you're beckoning with me you're wooing me in the spirit god asking me to do lord so i'm asking you tonight god for your help and your blessing and your guidance in that wonderful name of jesus we pray amen god bless you, you may be seated If we could have that verse, thank you. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's why we come to pray. We pray before church. We, we, we seek God. God, talk to my heart. I've been working all day long. Been a bad day, good day, average day, in between day. But God, I got to get all of that out of my head for a little while and allow you to talk to me tonight. I need to allow your spirit to work in my life. So I come early because I want the Lord to have liberty in my spirit tonight. I, I want him to talk to me. I don't like it when I don't hear his voice. I don't like it in the quiet times. 
for you that have kids, when it gets quiet in the house, you get nervous. <laughs> That's not a normal sound. Okay, what are they up to? <laughs> because they're quiet. And we get nervous. And so I want to hear the voice of God. But there are things that I need to do in preparing myself to hear the voice of God and allow the voice of God to help me. Verse 18. But we all, with open face, beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed. Everybody say changed. Can I ask you a question? Why did you turn your life over to Jesus Christ? Why did you start attending church? Could I guess by saying you didn't like how your life was going? You didn't like where your life was taking you? You were making bad decisions? You found yourself in trouble with the law, busted marriage, all kinds of loss of jobs, and on and on. So I came to God to be changed, to have change in my life. If you're going to live for God, change is going to be an ongoing situation in your life. I'm having to make changes. I'm getting old, but change ain't going to stop because age catches up with you and takes over at times. No, I, I still are going to have places in God that he's going to bring change into my life. And, you, and we don't like change. Not for the most part. We get comfortable in our routines. We get comfortable in how things are. And we really don't like it when that gets ruffled or it takes me out of what I'm used to. God is in the business of ruffling us. He doesn't want me to get comfortable in one place. That's why they talk about in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, the 17 different seasons that you're going to go through. Hey, hang tight. You're just in a season. But change is coming. Some change is not as much fun as other change. Some change takes me into more financial blessings. Other change makes me so broke I can't pay attention. But it's still all important to God. It's an area that he's taking me into to do what? To change me into his image, into his glory. See, God is working in my life. I will not become the image of God on my own. That's a nice thought, but he's got to poke me. He's got to prod me, and he's got to push me into areas that demand change to come into my life. If you would understand, change is just a part of life. I don't want to fight it. God, help me learn to embrace the changes you're bringing my way. Changes I'm not comfortable with because it's causing me to surrender some of the world. It's causing me to walk away from things that are unhealthy for me. It's causing me to see things, to, to, to make a covenant with my eyes. That said, I'll set no wicked thing before my eyes. God, I'm making a covenant with you. There's some changes that are going to have to come into my life or I'm going to walk in condemnation. If I don't allow that change to come, I'll continue to do things that don't please God. And then I'm going to beat myself up and that just becomes a vicious cycle. And God said, I'm trying to bring that change, that change into your life to get you where you want to go. Let me tell you something else about change. You're praying for God to work in your life, and you need to. But what if God is answering that prayer through change? In order for that prayer to be answered, there has to come change in your life. Maybe change in my attitude. Maybe change in how I'm doing something. Maybe God said, I need a little more commitment in the prayer room. Maybe God said, I, I'd like you to get a little deeper in the word. And that miracle can come. That situation can happen. But I'm trying to bring some change into your life that you can handle it. That you can receive it. So change. It's something that we, we struggle with, yet it should be something that we learn to embrace. Every couple here tonight can relate with change in this. A man and a woman get married, and those first year or two years of marriage before they have any children, man, you, you could be sitting on the couch at 10 o'clock and say, let's go to Dairy Queen, man. I, I just feel an ice cream hunger coming on. And man, I tell you what, in less than three minutes, you can be up and in that car and headed to the DQ. 
Then that first baby comes along. You may get that hunger for Dairy Queen, but you are not going to get out the door in two minutes. Because there's got to be a diaper bag. There's got to be bottle formula. There's all this stuff has got to happen. See, notice what God's doing. He said change. This is going to bring change into your life. And then the second one comes along. More change. The third one comes along. More change. And then you get the bright idea, let's get a puppy. Kids need a puppy. And the puppy's worse than the kids. He's not potty trained. He eats shoes. He eats everything, socks, everything he shouldn't eat. He gnaws on the couch, everything. He just tears everything up. Because it brings change. You men will relate to this. You had to trade your Camaro in for a minivan. Because <laughs> you just couldn't get them all in anymore. See, life's filled with change. And, and, and it's a part of it. You may have held on to that Camaro as long as you could, but you knew I can't get three car seats back there. And so it demanded a change come for the blessing of those children, for the safety of those children. I'm so old that I am pre-car seat days. I am so old that, that you didn't even have to wear a seatbelt. My wife was in a car accident when the children were pretty small. Our backup car, my work car, was an El Camino. It's like a pickup, okay? So every time we went anywhere for, I think, about three, four months, the two girls got in the front seat with my wife and I, and Nick had to sit behind the seat. The thing about a, one of those El Caminos, there is a lot of room back there, but he sit back there. Things are changing and evolving all the time, aren't they? But, but let me ask you a question. Did they, did they, they told us we needed to wear seatbelts, but truly wasn't that for our own safety? They said, in these accidents, these children are dying because they're not buckled in, they're not strapped in, there's no protection. So we're going to make car seats, and now we're going to require that children are put in car seats for the safety of the child. I'm here to tell you the changes that God is trying to bring into your life is for your safety, for your well-being, for your blessings upon your life. And I have to allow that to happen. I remember we would, we argued, oh, why are you going to make us wear seatbelts? All the grumbling that went on about that. Nobody even thinks about it today, do they? Get in, put your seatbelt in, or pay 125 bucks. I mean, it's just real simple. We don't think anything about knowing we got to have booster seats, car seats, whatever it is, depending on the age of that child. Do you realize if you would allow God to bring change into your life, pretty soon it will be that same way with you? You won't even think about it. You'll just get up in the morning and start praying. You won't even think about it. You'll start doing devotion. You'll get into the Word of God. I might have belly ached at first. I might have moaned at first. Come on, I might have, it's up early in the morning. I didn't even have my coffee yet, and they want me to get up and pray. <laughs> but once you begin to get into the presence of God, those other things didn't matter anymore. Now it's a part of my life. And when I look back, I wouldn't want it any other way. I, I want that time with God. I want to go deeper with God. I, I need change. I, I want to be in, into that place that this change brings me into, that, into the place of God. Change becomes so important in our lives. Our marriages change because children are added. You battle now for time together. Because of the kids. It changes. See what I'm talking about? Every, everything changes. Isn't it interesting? It starts with just you two, but it ends with you two. Those kids grow up, and they get married, and grandkids come along. See what I'm saying? Every, everything around me is changing. Yet when God's trying to deal with me about something, I balk at it. What do you mean, love not the world? What do you mean, come out from among them and be ye separate? One of the men in my church, we're building an ushering team, and 
I said, it's my preference that you would shave and be clean shaven. He had a beard. And uh, he made this statement to me. He said, I won't be accepted on the street if I shave my beard. I said, who are you trying to associate with, the world or the church? See, he was more concerned about what the world thought of him than what he was concerned about what God thought. See, God was trying to bring change into his life to do what? The, the change wasn't to punish him. The change was to help him realize, I want to be more dedicated to God because the reason I'm wearing this beard is I want associated with all these guys. I've been to prison five times over. Well, maybe God said, I don't want you to go back number six. So you got to do some things to separate yourself, bring some change into your life, the change of attitude, change of spirit, change of being around them. My background's professional rodeo. It's how I was raised. I loved every minute of it. Even the day God called me to preach, I tried to finagle away with God that I could continue to travel down the road, rodeo and, and preach at the same time. God would have nothing to do with him. He said, you're going to have to separate yourself from the world. You know why? Those people had too much influence in my life. It was literally an idol in my life. And God will not play second fiddle to anybody. Change had to come, Brother Flowers. Change had to come. Had to fall on my face. I can remember the day I surrendered. I said, okay, God, I give. I'm done. See, change. That change was for my benefit. It wasn't punishing me. It wasn't God trying to, to, to make my life miserable. It was a God who loved me so much that he wanted the best for my life. He didn't want me struggling with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. He was trying to help me get planted firmly in the church, get rooted, get grounded, get settled in the kingdom of God, in the work of God, in the things of God. And, and when the winds of adversity come, you're still going to be in the church. Amen. Why? Because I've been rooted and grounded and settled in this thing. I've made up my mind. I'm serve God. I'm letting change come. Letting change come. Many of us in this room, we've been born again. In our born again experience, let's visit it for a moment. I hope this is not too elementary, but I'm trying to make a point. The first step of coming to Jesus Christ is repentance. Am I correct? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repentance is a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of direction. And so notice a change of direction. God said, I want to bring change into your life. Do you realize we don't repent one time 40 years ago for me and say, okay, I repented, I got it done, I'm moving on. No, every day I can fall on my face before God. Help me have a right attitude. Help me have the right spirit. Let me not get bitter over what my brother said to me or done to me. Come on, there's all kinds of places I got to keep coming back to the cross, keep kneeling before and falling on my face to God and say, God, let me not let that little root of bitterness get started in my spirit. God, change my thinking, change my outlook, change what I'm thinking right now. Because I've served God long enough to know where that will lead me. That will take me away from God. That's not the change he's trying to bring into my life. That change he's trying to bring in is getting me closer to him. Come on, deep calleth unto deep at the water south. God said, could I take you a little deeper? Thank God for where you're at tonight. But, but could God be speaking to somebody tonight and helping him understand this change that I'm talking to you about? You've got to understand, I'm the second witness. God's already dealing with you, and you're questioning in your mind whether is this really God or is it just me. I'm here to tell you, God is talking to somebody in this congregation tonight. You've been struggling with it, and God said, you know what? I'll send a preacher. I'll make him be the second witness. He won't be the first because I've already talked to you. He'll become the second witness in your life that this change is going to be necessary. See how much he loves you? I don't get in trouble for this next statement, but 
we've been kind of dealing with a situation in our congregation with some unforgiveness. And Brother Emmanuel and his wife, we love them dearly back there. I had him preach, uh, was it last Tuesday night? Last Tuesday night at the end, and he, he taught on unforgiveness. I had been teaching on this subject for over a month. And I watched people when Brother Emmanuel began to preach and toward the end of his preaching. This is a statement I made when Brother Emmanuel was done. I said, if you don't want to hear this anymore, then repent. Because God's not going to give up on you. God's not going to stop dealing with you. He'll bring a preacher clear from Texas to tell you what you need to do because he loves you. And he's concerned about where you're headed. You need to change what's going on in your spirit. You need to say, folks, God ain't going to do that for you. Come on, the Bible said in First or Second Corinthians 7, 1, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. God said, no, no, that's something I got to do. I got to fall on my face. I got to say, God, I'm sorry for what I've been doing or how I've been talking or what I've been doing. God, you help me. I want to overcome. I want to be what God wants me to be. But repentance is about change, bringing change into my life. And again, come on, before we came to God, we used to lie. But change came, we had to start talking truth, telling truth. Come on, before we came to God, we used to steal stuff. We called it five-finger discount. I see I'm not the only one that's familiar with that phrase. Folks, when I repented of my sin, I couldn't take what didn't belong to me anymore. Because change was coming into my life where I used to live as a thief. I could no longer be that anymore. I'm so thankful tonight. That's what I was, but that's not what I am tonight. I used to be a liar, but I'm not a liar anymore. Come on, that's what I was, but I went into the waters of baptism and God washed it all away because I'm going to change who you are. Every step I take is because another change is taking place in my life, and I'm being formed into his image. I'm being coming in his likeness. Amen. That, that's why this is happening. Folks, I, I hope we understand that when people see you, I want them to see Jesus and not you. I want them to ask the question, why did I glow around you, man? See, some people, you see dark clouds around them because they're making poor decisions and they're not living right. And there's just a black cloud kind of just hangs over them. And, and you don't see a smile on their face. You see no joy in their spirit. But when you love God and you're walking with God, folks, we're the light of the world. Come on, we're the salt of the earth. And he said, when people see you, I want them to see me. That's why this change has to come. Come on. You, 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 you have an opportunity on your job to be a light and be the salt. Come on. Whether you're the only Christian or not, you have opportunity on that job. This is where God's going to use me. Oh, I know I've been on them jobs where I say you can't witness. Well, I sure got light. And I got salt. I'm going to pray during lunch hour. I'm going to read my Bible during lunch hour. Somebody turned me in on one of the companies I worked for. said, this guy's preaching all the time, and we don't want to hear it. So the owner of the company called me in. said, Curtis, you can't do that no more. Knock it off. I said, really? Don't you go to church? Well, yeah, but you can't do that stuff here. Hmm. I said, so they can tell all the dirty jokes they want. They can bring playboys and throw them on the counter. They, they, they can just talk filthy as all get out. And I can't invite them to church. I can't tell them about the love of God. We won five families out of that sawmill. Because I'd be reading my Bible at lunchtime. And somebody would come and say, I got a question about God or the Bible. I say, could my wife and I come teach you search for truth? Could we come teach you a Bible study? And we begin to win them one by one. Come on, there's a way to do it. You're not putting my light out. 
I remember putting tracks and up, you know, pull the toilet paper down and then roll tracks back up. <laughs> I'm not giving up. If you've ever worked in a sawmill, they have what they call stickers, these little one-by-fours, and they put them on so many high and there. I'd get there early for work, and I'd put them about six or eight down, you know, lift it up, shove them in, because they wouldn't get them to about 1 o'clock, you know. <sighs> then I'd watch the reaction. Oh, what's this? Oh! And they, <laughs> one guy used to torment me. And he worked on that green chain. And, and I, I, I picked on him, too, really, unmercifully, kind of. I said, hey, man, you heard about that guy died the other night? No, who died the other night? Because we're in the city of 400. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's bad, man. Guy cut up and just, yeah, who was it? And I, I just keep going. I, I say, yeah, it, it was brutal, man. They, they put this kind of, kind of thorns on his head and smashed him down. What? And they said, who was it? Who was it? I said, it was Jesus. He loves you. <laughs> oh, he get mad. He said, <laughs> I did not win him to God, but he moved to Alaska and got in one of our churches in Alaska. Come on. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to minister where I can minister. I'm going to be a light where I can be a light. God did not tell me to take this gospel and keep it to myself. By the way, God doesn't need any more secret agent Christians. I'm a Christian, just don't tell anybody. I kind of run undercover. We got enough of those. So what we really need is somebody to kind of allow some change to come. And say, God, I used to be so bold in the world. And yet when it comes to saying anything about you, I find I, 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 don't, I don't do that. God, help me change that. Folks, I've had to pray that. These crazy things I did after, it, it took a year. I mean, I was a secret agent Christian for a year. Until God finally got a hold of my heart and helped me realize this is what I want for you to do. See, it was a change. A change came from not telling anybody to nobody's safe. They used, one of the jobs they gave me in that sawmill was to break any new guy in on whatever job they hired him to do. They literally would have me go train men on jobs I'd never done. Go train him to do that. I've never done that. You can do it. Go ahead. Okay, here we go. But you had to walk up this little hill around to where the, you could see all the employees in the sawmill. And, and as soon as I would walk up with somebody to train, they'd start screaming, he's a preacher, he's a preacher, watch out for him, look out. Of course, the guy would take three steps over him. I'd say, I don't worry about them, it'd be fine. Do you realize people are going to make fun of you no matter what? When you were in the world, people made fun of you. When you come to God, people may make fun of you. So if they're going to make fun of me no matter what, I'm going to serve God. Come on, I'm going to love God. I'm going to keep reaching out. I'm going to keep allowing God to work in my life. Baptism changed everything. Give me taking on the name of Jesus. I got a brand new conscience. Got rid of condemnation. God filled me with the Holy Ghost to give me the power to overcome. God to give me the power to do what he's calling me to do. This is how I believe it. People tell me I can't. I'm going to tell you you won't. It's not that you can't. It's that you won't. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, I can make that change. I can make that commitment. I can do that. But when, when I say I, I can't, I can't, no, it's that you won't. We've got to get real here. Because the more real I can get with myself... And realizing, okay, I'm telling myself I can't when really I could. If I just put some effort forward, if I'd simply repent and ask God to help me, he would help me and I could begin to move forward. So again, we've got to realize God is trying to, to do something in my life. God gave you the Holy Ghost to have a ministry. God didn't save us to sit on a pew. I... When I was in school, one of the ways to punish me 
and they had to figure out several ways, <laughs> was to just not let me play in the game. Make me sit on that bench. I hate sitting on the bench. If the game is on, I want in the game. I want to be in the middle of what's going on. Come on, when I came to God, I'm not just, I'm not, I may sit there for a while, but I'm not, this is not home. I'm going to find a ministry. Can I usher? Can I be a greeter? Believe it or not, I have sang in the choir. I know that's hard to believe, but home mission church, and they didn't have a lot of choice. They just needed some bodies up there. I'm bellering it out. When we started the church here, our first little building, Rachel would look at me and she'd say, come, you're singing too loud. <laughs> hey, babe, it's home mission. There's only four of us. Come on, somebody's got to learn these songs. <laughs> if you've ever started a church in your home, it's quite a blast. People are sitting on couches, not in chairs. There's no pulpit. Keyboards in the kitchen. <laughs> you talk about a duck out of water. Because <laughs> I'd pastored 20 years in a building, in a church building, and we started in our home. But the change was good, folks. You'd be amazed how many changes God's had to bring into my life. When I came here, I'd made up my mind I'm going to build church in a day. I, I, I've been involved with headquarters a lot and home missions and, and when I resigned that position to come here to start this church Brother Coon said we're going to come and build you a church in a day Yeah. trouble was that wasn't God's idea that was theirs see somewhere I got to stop and say God but what do you want you know how God brought a screeching halt to my life on this by land we're going to do a church in a day I lost my business in the recession. My credit score went from 700 and some to 530. Uh, Mr. Banker, I need about half a million dollars to build this. What's your credit score? 530. <laughs> I, I didn't even look after that. <laughs> I just said, okay, God, what do you want? You're evidently changing my mind about what I've preconceived idea that I'm going to come and do. And God said, I'm going to put you in a warehouse. I am so content in that warehouse because that's where God put me. I'm just telling you, you can get your own ideas serving God, but God may have to step in. That's not the direction I want you to take. That's not where I want you to go. This is what I want in your life. This is where I'm taking you. So you have to realize... I mean, we'd love to quote the verse, Lord, let not my will be done, but your will be done, but do I believe it? Am I willing to live that? If you say, God, I want to do this, and he says, uh, no, I don't think so. How about, no. But God, no. That forces us to say, okay, God, then what do you want? And surrendering to that. That's the changes from me being in charge to him being in charge of my life. Folks, we all come in to the house of God with preconceived ideas. We, we just do. We'll be honest. We come in, we got this all figured out in three weeks. You know, okay, we do this, this, this. And then God has to start bringing change in my thinking because that was my idea, not his idea. So that's why when, when God begins to deal with your life and my life about change, that change is going to be important. I've got to let that change happen in my life how about in Luke 11 where the Lord the disciples asked the Lord teach us to pray evidently they were saying something's got to change in my prayer life because we're praying but we don't see anything like what you're doing so would you teach us to pray like you pray see because I want to see what you see in my ministry father what you're doing here Come on, something may need to change for that to happen. There may have to come a surrendering in our life. You, you talk about change. I came up in church where position was everything. 
See, I come from a broken home and abuse, all kinds of stuff. Never had nothing. In fact, I can remember I was only about six, seven years old, and the house got robbed, and the cops come to arrest me. Dude, I'm scared of the dark. I promise you I was not out last night robbing that house because the boogeyman would have got me before I ever would have got to the house. Single woman, four kids, got to be one of them four. And they said, you. <laughs> no! So because of all that we did not have growing up, uh, I mean, I flunked the first grade twice. Uh, I got a lot of education, years-wise. <laughs> I crammed 13 years into 12 just to get graduated. So when I came to God, and there was an opportunity within my ministry to head a department, I thought I had arrived. But God had to change my thinking. You don't arrive because you're asked to serve in a capacity. But when you come from a background sometimes when you had nothing, this can mean everything at this particular point and juncture in your life. And, and God had to begin to deal with me to bring some change in how I'm looking at that versus it's an honor just to serve. And however long you serve, you be content with that. Because God sets one up and brings one down. Pulls one back, sets one up. And you have to understand, if you're really kingdom-minded, you can say, that not my will be done. Father, if, this, if my time's up here, then great, no problem. When we were in the Philippines, there was a particular day class that's going on. Brother Mark Kendrick was preaching that service. And Brother Mike Gonzalez would follow him. And, and, and Brother Mark may have been halfway through his message. And Bishop stood up and said, Mark, you're done. Just like, I mean, not quietly. Mark, you're done. And Mike Gonzalez stepped right in, took that mic, and boom. I want you to know Brother Mark had no issue. See, when you understand the kingdom work, and God, God had me bring it to this point, but now he wants this man to take it to the next point and bring people into an altar. Can you do that? Are you got enough Holy Ghost that if God moves you out of one place and lets another man or another woman step in, you won't get bitter, you won't get upset, you, you won't get disgruntled? I deserve that. Really? Who said I didn't die for your salvation. He did. He's going to tell me where he wants me, when he wants me, and how long he wants me there. See, when I can change my thinking about the kingdom and realize this is what God's trying to do in my life, I can honestly tell you tonight, I, I, I am overwhelmed that God would call me, choose me, and use me in any capacity in the kingdom. You, just where I came from. Uh, I wasn't voted the most successful to be the most successful high school student leaving. I remember they said, you want to go to college? I can't even spell college. <laughs> I remember I said, they got a rodeo team? <laughs> but you still got to work, you know, book work and all that. But see, God takes people who the world may say are less gifted. He said, this is who I'm going to use. Could it be, just posing a question, could it be that God calls people like me, Brother Martin, out of the world, because the ones that are raised in the church won't do it. Well, I'm third generation Pentecost. That's good. What are you doing for God? Brother Martin preached for us in the first week of September. Phenomenal job. When he was done preaching, I took the mic. 
This is a statement I made. I appreciate his testimony. But I got some young people sitting out here tonight that God will use you even more mightily because you've kept yourself from the world. You've allowed the Holy Ghost to keep you from drugs and alcohol and immorality. And I told him, you have the greatest testimony of all testimony. You don't have to go do what Brother Mark has done. You've got to go to prison and get a testimony for God to use you. I'm here to tell you that God can put more anointing on your life because you've kept clean. You've kept where God wanted you to be. God will use you even more mightily than he will a Brother Martin. But if you won't do it, God said, i got to get a Brother Martin. i got to get a Brother Johnson. i got to find somebody that will do what I want. What I need done. Come on. The Bible said, I will build my church uh, with me or without me. It's yes, Lord, I'll go. Yes, Lord, I'll do that. Yes, Lord, I'll learn how to do that. See, sometimes we get an attitude if we're not careful. Well, bless God, they can't make it without me. I'm here to tell you, they make it really good without you. Because no one man, no one woman determines what goes where. It's his church. If I won't do it, God will put another person in that place, and they will do it. See why I'm going to repent? See why I'm not going to let bitterness get a hold of my spirit? See why I'm not going to get cross in my spirit? Because I, I don't want somebody else to take my place. God called me to this ministry. I know things happen to it. Disappointment comes and all that stuff happens. All, But I don't focus on that. I focus on his love, his mercy, his grace that got me where I'm at. So I'm going to forgive you for what you said about me. I'm going to forgive you about how you treated me. I'm not going to let that get in my spirit. Uh, God's changed me. There was a day I'd have sought revenge. But I don't seek revenge anymore because God brought change into my life. I want that change. If I am willing for change, 1 Corinthians 15, I want to read verses 50 through 52. If you don't like change, you probably won't like heaven. Let me read a verse here. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doeth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. You're going to be changed when you leave out of here. Change ain't stopped, folks. I'm going to be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when the rapture of the church takes place, these clothes are going to fall off. A white robe is going to come on, and I'm going to go into the presence of the Lord. Anybody against that kind of change? See, everything's about change. In the kingdom work, there are changes i got to make if I want to get where God wants me to be. Because there's going to come this one final change, and I'm going to be changed. And when that change comes, I'm going to love every minute of it. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more hurting, no more wheelchairs, no more cancer. We were praying we have several with cancer. And we've done too many funerals, in my opinion. And I said, God, I know you're the healer. And I know that this cancer is nothing to you because there's a stripe on your back that already paid the price for this cancer to be healed. God, I'm believing you. We're waiting on results right now. One of our men had brain cancer. He had surgery. Surgeons told us only 3% make it. Only 3% can make it. This is the worst cancer. This is the most aggressive cancer there is. We continue to pray. He's been through chemo. He's been through radiation. He's in a, uh, in a nursing home in rehab right now. They did a CAT scan last week on his brain, and there's nothing there. They did an MRI on him last week, and we're waiting on the results of the MRI. I'm going to believe God. Somebody needs to have a testimony of the healing power of God. Somebody needs to realize. But, but let me say something. Mike asked to speak to the church before he went for his surgery. This is what he told our church. He said, church, I want you to understand this. I win either way. If the Lord takes me, I win. 
I go to be with Him. If He heals me, I stay here and keep doing ministry. Could it be that I got the right attitude and the right spirit? You see what I'm saying? That God, I win either way it goes. So whatever you want for my life, I'm willing to receive it. I'm willing to accept it. Because so many times, God's looking at this heart. And he's asking us, can I bring some change into your life? Come to that place that you give up on what you want. And come to the place of, okay, God, what do you want in my life? How do you want me to dress? How do you want me to talk? How do you want me to work? Where do you want me to go? See, when I surrender all of that, now I'm just, okay, God, what do you want? Talk to me. Lead me, I'll follow. And the changes that come will bring me more into his image more into his likeness. I believe that everybody in this room would desire that. I want to be more like him. I want people to see Jesus and not me. I want there to be a reflection in my life of his love, of his grace, and of his mercy. Could we allow that tonight? Could we let change take place? I know somebody here, God's dealing with you. And you're struggling with it. We all have struggled with change at times. But if God is asking you to make a change, it's for your benefit. Please understand, when it comes to you and God, God is only interested in what's best for you. Always interested, Brother Flowers, what's best for me. It'd be best for you, son, if you did this. He's not against me. Come on. He's not against me. He just knows if I go down this road, I'm going to be drawn away from him. So he's saying, son, I want you to come over here, and this is what I want you to do. This would be best for your life. I dealt with two adults about six weeks ago at odds with each other, two different families, teenagers, and both of them have teenagers. I looked at those two. And I made this statement. However you two handle this is going to have a major effect on your children. So if you two don't repent and get this under the blood of Jesus Christ, you watch, you're going to lose your kids. Because you're supposed to be spiritual. And if you get bitter, they're going to get bitter. Only you may stay in church and they may choose to leave. Are you willing to lose your children or do we need to repent? Is that too bold? God came to me, Brother Flowers, and said, either you get over or you're going to lose your kids. I said, I repent. I'm God, right now. And I started repenting. I'm wanting you to realize what you may think is just for you here and now is really a rock sold in the water, and there's a ripple effect that you may not even realize. That this thing could spread into areas I never dreamed it would go. Never dreamed this would happen because I refused to repent. I refused to let God have his way in my life. See, you don't know. You can't see that future. That's why i got to come to that place and say, okay, God, I'm sorry. Lord, I... I, I repent right now. My kids mean too much to me. I love my kids. I, I want them to stay in church. I want them to love God. So I'm going to get over it. Who cares who's right or wrong? I'm going to get over it. Who cares who made who mad first? I'm going to get over it. Because I don't want to lose some of the most precious things in my life. Because I created the havoc and the problem. And God began to deal with me. You need to change some things here. You need to change some things here. Would you stand with me tonight? I'm going to open this altar because somebody may be here tonight and the Lord's dealing with you. This will be a turning point tonight. I want you to understand that this is a turning point service tonight for somebody in your life. You may have been headed this direction and God's saying, come on, 
you got to get turned around because where you're headed, you're going to crash. You're going to burn. It's not going to be good. Please, please. And God's patient and God's kind. But I want you to understand, he's saying, I, I, I need to bring, you need to change. Come on, some things need to change. Your attitude needs to change. That spirit you've got is not right. Some things need to change. Could I be man enough, woman enough? Let me put it to you another way. Could I be spiritual enough tonight that if God's dealing with me, that I say, Father, I'm sorry, I've really messed this up. I was hurt. I was wounded by what was said or done. But God, I've come to understand tonight the kingdom's bigger than me. And I'm not going to let this cause me to miss out with God or any of my children to miss out with God. Lord, I, I, I would never, never want that. I spent too many hours praying they'd be in church, love God, and, and walk with God. That, that, that I turned bitter, and that would cause them to miss out with God. God changed my heart. God changed my spirit. God changed my thinking tonight. God changed my outlook tonight. God, something's got to change. Let it be me. I can't change somebody else, but I could sure change me tonight. God, help me tonight. These altars are open. Let's come talk to God tonight. That's it. Lord, help us tonight. Help us tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus. That's it. Come on. Cry out to God right now. Come on. God, I'm sorry. God, I repent tonight. God, I change a heart, change a mind, change a direction tonight, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. Beautiful. Come on. Come on. Your response will not be to me. Your response is to the Lord tonight. That's it. That's it. Come on. Just reach out. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me tonight. Come on. Help me, Father. Take that step. I'm scared. I I, I don't know what will happen, but God, I'm going to trust you tonight. I'm going to take that step in the name of Jesus.
and we've heard from the Lord tonight. I'm thankful for what he, he's done and said here. I want to tell you, if you, if you start telling the Lord that you want, you want change in your life, don't be surprised when he starts telling you what to change. Don't be surprised when he starts telling you, well, you could change this. You could do this. That's how he works. That's how he speaks to us. My mind was just going over. We're getting ready to do some changes to the to the building, the sanctuary here. I think many of us, we, we could acknowledge it. We're, we need updates. We need some changes. But could you imagine if we brought crews in here to tell us, well, you know, if you changed out these lights... If you knocked out that wall, well, I don't know. I like those lights. I'm used to them. I don't know. I'm, I like that wall where it is. I'm comfortable with that now. Well, if you change this carpet, well, I don't know about that because I think we can live with this carpet. If you just painted the, well, I don't know. I'm used to that. I wonder how many times we have that attitude with God. You know, if you would just get up half an hour earlier and pray, well, I don't know. Well, if you would just be nice to this one person, I don't know about that. And what we're doing is where the rubber meets the road, we're, we're really saying, I don't know if I want that change or not. But when he, when you, what, we're, what he's done here tonight is a true work of repentance. I feel that in the Holy Ghost. And he wants to continue that. Because repentance is not a one-time occurrence. It's a process. Amen. Can we pray, Lord Jesus? We thank you for your presence that we've felt here tonight. We're thankful for the work, God, that you've done in our hearts. Jesus, we're thankful for this change, God, that you've offered to each of us. God, I pray that you would continue, Lord, to speak into our hearts, speak into our mind, God. Show us these areas, Lord, where you can help and, and further us, God the areas where we can work and change, Lord Jesus. God, we are making a commitment right now, Lord, this night that we will walk with you, Jesus, that we will listen for your voice. God, in the areas that you're working in us, God, we want to be open for that. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Let me give you a practice practical example if you need change smile at people on your way out that's for somebody that's for me and somebody else amen you're dismissed